0: If you're not ready to change gear neurologically, this podcast is not for you. These particularly challenging times can actually be seen as a life-giving opportunity for expansion, disguised as an impossible situation. As we grow into our own wholeness through this global great awakening, we are more aware than ever that we are all one. Join with us to raise the collective consciousness, whole and one. You've got this. Here's your host, Sheila E. Hello,
1: and welcome everyone to Hole in One with Sheila. You're tuned to Voice America's Empowerment Channel. And the aim of this show is to introduce you to the people and the ideas that will bring you ever closer to mind-derived health and performance optimization. In this series, we'll teach you how to manage your self-talk, Build a healthy relationship with anxiety, and rewrite your narrative. Tell yourself that different story. It's just like doing a bicep curl for your brain. Join us weekly to hear the stories of love, wisdom, and truth that have completely changed the lives of our specially selected guests. Stay tuned to learn how to access your wholeness and feed the sustainability of that by connecting with the universal one. It only takes one day to change your life. On today's show, we're joined by Charlie Boyle from Donegal in Ireland. Charlie actually was born in New Jersey in America and arrived back to Ireland at the tender age of eight. And Charlie and his company are now leading the field in customer service, customer experience and sales as an outcome. Charlie, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Sheila. And thank you for the introduction.
1: Not at all. It's so good to chat with you, Charlie. So, America to Ireland and a real Donegal accent. How does that happen?
2: Yeah, you, you definitely won't pick up the, the American in the accent, Sheila. And, and neither would you have done six weeks after I came back. So, my, my parents, who were from the area that I now live in, as, as a lot of people in West Donegal had done, they had emigrated first to Scotland at the age of 14. Can you remember, or can you can you... You know, just imagine fourteen-year-olds emigrating at that time, and they emigrated to Scotland. They worked in the potato fields there. My father went on to work in building sites, and then they decided to have another leap uh, over to the States, as a lot of people did in the early '60s. They they settled in Elizabeth, New Jersey, where I was born and I lived until I was eight. Until they decided to come back to Ireland in 1970, you know, to Immigration had sort of gone into reverse. A lot of people had returned to West Egal. so in my case, there w- there were three or four Charlie Boyles at the school. One was the principal, and I became Charlie the Yank. And there was a Charlie Boyle school teacher and a Charlie Glasgow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that wow. name has not only stuck with me, Charlie the Yank, it stuck with my children and my grandchildren are now called Yanks. Amazing. As well. so, Proud, proud of that, proud of, of, of American-Irish as opposed to Irish-American.
1: Amazing, amazing. And Charlie, how do you go from there then into this fantastic field of customer service, customer experience, sales excellence, training courses? I mean, you're just trailblazing in this field. Everybody wants Charlie Boylan to train up their companies, You know, measure the, um, the, the customer experience, the culture within businesses, so that you can then bespoke the program to improve that for businesses. And the results are there to tell their own tale. People are uh, turning everything around, having had your training courses in their business.
2: Sheila, 100% it was not by design. This was was not a strategy. And and I'll be 100% honest about that. It came about, you know, I I left school at, at 18, done secondary level education, um, I got married at 19. I went into the world of work, you know, probably 10% of our class in secondary school went on to university at that time. This was the early 80s. So I went straight, as I say, into the the world of work. And um, my story, and I have to be honest, I'm on here to be honest with my story. My story was I picked up my first drink of alcohol the night before I got married. Nothing hugely significant I thought about that. I hadn't touch drink during my teenage years. I was far too busy with sports and youth clubs and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, what, what happened, I suppose, in my case, and that it it was there for 10 years, I, I developed or came across the disease of alcoholism. So picking up that first drink was to change my life dramatically, but in all the negative ways that you could, could imagine, you know, when that's probably the longer story for another day. So my designs on life from 18 onwards were not what happened for the next 10 years. And it's the nearest thing to hell that I hope I ever mm-hmm. conclude. Or those that, you know, were around me, including my family, you know. So, but again, you know, I was one of the the lucky ones. I, I I got ashore at at the age of 29. So that drinking story was 10 years with all the damage it caused. But I probably had to reset there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I had to, it wasn't a case of just putting down the drink and anybody that... That knows what I'm what I'm saying. There will realise that if it was a case of putting down the drink, I would have put down the drink at 19 and a half. But it wasn't like that. So I'd find I'd find help, which I, I still have to this day. That's 28, 29 years ago. A day at a time, not having you know had alcohol in my system and all of the uh, disease that that brings with it. So again, had a reset. You know, done different things. Worked. Uh, Worked as a festival director in one of the biggest festivals in Ireland. Learned a lot from that. Made lots and lots and lots of mistakes. More mistakes than things that I got right. But from those mistakes, of course, came the learnings, the deep learnings, and you know, being able to go back and probably undo those mistakes, make amends for for those mistakes, and 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 then I, you know, for for somebody who was who was just stopped drinking, I went into the pub industry, and and I absolutely loved it. Uh, I went through a separation of that marriage that. It just didn't stay together, you know. But I, w- I wouldn't regret one moment of that decision. We had six lovely children, Sheila. And oh, then we well bought done. A, then we bought a television as the saying. <laughs> <suppose>. uh,
1: <laughs> I love
2: it. And <laughs> you know, they, they they were they were the prize from from the marriage. But the marriage, you know, the marriage wasn't there. We we both sat down and realized that, and that was painful. You know, it was painful for both of us. But you know, I had to deal with with more pain. Uh, divorce. And the West of Ireland didn't kind of go hand in hand at that time. Uh, we were the first divorce to go into court without solicitors because we had the agreement before that. And But anyway, I went to the UK and I worked with a pub company there, O'Neill's Irish Bars, who had up to 150 pubs. And I ended up uh, in management there, both in, in management of pubs and, and development of you know sales and, and the group in general. And you know, I I just I loved it, but I didn't know what it, I didn't know what it was I loved, and and I was good at it. I I didn't know what it was I was good at, and then in 2006 with another uh, pub company, I won a national award for the biggest sale of Budweiser in any single unit in the whole of the UK of which there were something like four and a half thousand pubs, and this involved a trip to New York. I had been back in New York working there as well. A lot of uncles and aunts living around there. But, you know, here I was, won this national award for sales in a pub and I'm out in America and there was a radio station hosting something similar to to what you're doing here. And it was at the Hilton, you know, in Manhattan. And the night beforehand, the guy who was very professional, you know, very much like yourself, a lot of prep, a lot of chat the day before. And he says, tomorrow, he says, I'm going to ask you about your sales strategy. Now, I didn't even know what strategy meant. And I kind of said to him, please don't ask me what my sales strategy was. I don't have one, and I don't know what the word strategy means. And he was a great help. You know, he gave me a sheet of paper, and he says, go back to your hotel room, figure out what are the things you've done that got you to sell all of that Budweiser, because that's colossal for one unit. And overnight, I reflected on that. And what I realized was, and this was the first time I came across it, I was good at internal customer service. I, I didn't know how to clean the pub line, the, the, the lines and the pub downstairs. I couldn't order the stock. I was no good at that. But what I what I realized I was good at, I was good getting good people to work for me and looking after them. So I was servicing those who were servicing the customers. And later on, I was to hear about internal customer service for the first time, company culture for the first time, simple things like. We made sure the females, if we had our budget on a Friday, Saturday night, all the young girls, we'd get taxis home rather than have to queue up at the bus stop. Guys, you look after yourselves. But maybe for everybody, we'll get a pizza. These little touches, yeah. but there were lots of them. There were lots of them. So when I used to get what were then called the KPIs, and I probably went six months without asking anybody, what's a KPI? You know, But one of the KPIs was your staff turnover. I had zero staff turnover. I had no staff turnover for three years in the pub game. And that game has a churn of 75%. So, people who would come to work would stay. We were developing assistant managers. We were developing managers. We were developing area managers through these pubs. But we were just working so well. I didn't know till later on, till I'd done a master's, 15 yeah. years later, which is only in the last few years, that this is company culture. Yeah. This is internal service. So, what was the sales strategy? The sales strategy was to see sales as an outcome, an inevitable outcome of something that's much deeper. Mm-hmm. Now, I was to go through, I was to go through depression that had me probably 15 years into sobriety. And I'm wondering how an under God is somebody who's 15 years sober, you know, it's not alcohol, bang, you know, and couldn't figure it out. I got over that again a day at a time with a lot of help and, and, and opening my mouth and, and seeking the help. And, and by this, by this stage, I was married to Tony, who's now my wife, and we've been together for 20, 20 years, and we have another son, Dominic, and, and he's bonded in with the with the other six, so that's one big family. And I got through that, and I came back to Ireland from the UK, having been there for 13 years. I was involved in the London Olympic Games in 2012 in a customer service program there, and that was very exciting. And it was everything that I had seen in the pub industry. <laughs>
1: you
2: know, it was about London that wasn't expected to be a warm and welcoming and really, really good place to welcome those to the 2012 Olympic Games. London absolutely nailed it, but they'd done it internally. They got it right internally. They created yeah. a culture, a culture that perhaps was not there before because you can change culture and you can measure culture.
1: Oh, yes, for sure. And,
2: and, and you, can, you can talk about culture. A lot of companies don't like measuring their culture because maybe they don't want the spotlight to be on, but I think it's the right thing to do. And I came back to Ireland and I formed the company, Customer Service Excellence Ireland, and I didn't really know what it was going to be. I knew that I wanted it to be about this thing that we can overlook at sales. We do sales training, we do too much sales training, as if, you know, if you tell somebody how to sell, they'll force a sale. But it's much deeper. It's much more soulful. Mm-hmm. We've spoke about this. So it's it's about going deeper, it's not about going bigger. People think and talk about think big, and you know, yeah, you can do that, but maybe we should think deep. Maybe we should go into the issue or into the potential. The potential are going to be the staff you have. And if you treat people as if they make a difference, they will make a difference,
1: of course, they will.
2: And if you look after your students who are working in your pub that are maybe from the north of England, they're homesick down in London and you say to them, are you getting time to study? Why are you working at four in the afternoon? Why is it not six so you can get two hours to study and come in here and get a bite to eat at six o'clock and then you can work till 11 or 12? If you start treating people different like that, they will sell for you
1: Absolutely. because they
2: believe in what you're trying to do. But you must set them targets. Mm-hmm. Don't you? Know, don't forget, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, I would tell the guys, we need 10 and a half grand a night, we need 12 grand, we need 13 grand that's the reality of it. We need to keep this pub sustainable. Yeah. And we need to make money because we're doing it for the company. And they would come up to me at 11 and they'd say, how much have we in? And I would say, we've got nine and a half grand. And you would see them. You could see them going out and making yeah. the sales. They weren't forcing the sales. They'd see a group of rugby lads in the corner and they would see the guys, you know, pints are going down. Extra sale, fifteen euros, fifteen yeah. pound, whatever. That's selling. Yes. But it's ethical. It's consultative. It's it's inspirational type stuff. It's not forcing drink down people. That's the same principle right through. So where does that take us now? You know, two and a half years ago, Sheila I was doing a, a a course. I was I was presenting a course. You know, very similar to this. I had sixteen people that were listening intently to what I'm saying, and I take this pain. It was like a toothache in my in my chest. Cut a long story short. Short it was a heart attack. And I thought a heart attack was rolling about on the floor, but that wasn't mine. But what mine was, I had to get a quadruple bypass and a stent. So there were five main arteries in my heart, one being the Widowmaker, as they call it in the States, mm-hmm. the one that is supposed to take you. And I had a quadruple bypass and, and that shook me. Now, I was four stone convert that into pounds for our American guests, whatever it is, another 50 pounds, 50 pounds, 60 pounds heavier than I am at the minute. Um, I thought it was that, but it, it it was stress related. I didn't know I was stressed. Yeah, but yeah, I was, I was stressed. I was trying too hard. You
1: were working it hard. Yeah.
2: I was trying too hard to help too many people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I had this thing in my life as well. Again, I'm here to be honest. I had this ability to make millions for other companies and I was doing that. But I could have been struggling to pay my mortgage at the end of the month or put oil into the oil tank for the winter, Mm -hmm. if I'm honest. yeah. So I had to reset. I had to look at this again. And I had to. And this is only in recent years. So, you know, going into that operating theater and seeing the lights, and I was totally at peace. I I, I was absolutely at peace. And, you know, I probably had a chat with the God of my understanding, and I said, okay, look, if it's over, it's over. I'm sorry for the people that I've left outside in the corridor uh, and the guys back at home, but I won't know anything about this. But if you take me back out of this, if I happen to wake up and I come out of this, I'll look for the why. I'll look for the why. I'll, I'll ask why. Why did you leave me here? What, what am I still doing here? And if I figure out the why, I'll work at the why. And that's what I'm doing today. Yeah. I, I'm blessed. Like the work that I'm doing, find something you love doing, you'll never work, a day you never your work life. again. I, I believe okay. that. I used to hear people saying that and I would say, oh, it's okay for you because, you know, but no, that's, that's, and that's where it's at. So what are we doing? Is it customer service training? No. Is it, is it sales training? Definitely not. It's a combination of all those things, but it's about looking at the culture If somebody came to me and said, would you do customer service training with our frontline staff? I would have to ask them the question, how do you think, where do you believe that it's the frontline staff? Chances are it's not. Chances are it's the culture. Mm -hmm. So how important is company culture? 74% of companies will say it's the most important thing we have. Mm -hmm. But only 8% of companies measure it or do anything about it. So... There's, there's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work because what we're doing is we're, we're creating tools and we're getting better at tools that are measuring the company culture. If companies want it measured, mm-hmm. very often, maybe, maybe of the 20 inquiries we get, maybe three or four of those companies will let us measure the company culture.
1: And Charlie, if they don't let you measure, can you bring your model in? Is does your model work in a place where you can't measure the before? I mean, if it's going yeah. to be any way scientific, you need to set down a marker before so that you know what you're aiming for, and then you can measure the success in between.
2: Yeah, it's 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 very interesting that you asked that because you know, I was kind of up on my high horse a couple of years ago. And if companies wouldn't let us measure, I would say, okay, well, that's it. We'll that's 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 near enough. But a good friend of mine, Donna Kelly from and Networks, who's been very successful in Ireland, he just sold out his, his company to a French company for something like 230 million. I told him that once and he says, don't do that. Don't do that again. He says, if a company asks you to come in and do customer service training, you roll up and do customer service training because then you're inside the building and then you can talk to them about the other things. So that's why talking to people is so important. That, you know, I'm 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 approaching 60. I'm only starting to learn. I remember my GP once saying to me at 70, he says, I'm only starting to practice.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I got that, you know, I, yeah. I got that. So having that chat with Donna Kelly two years ago, oh well, this is what I do, this is me explaining to him. He says, Stop doing that. And I asked him later, I says, Why why did you tell me to stop? He says, That's what I used to do.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, so you know, get in, because genuinely what I'm doing, genuinely what I'm doing, Sheila, is I want to help the company to be a better I know version you do. of themselves. Yeah. But I want the people to be better versions of them, themselves as well. It's, it's the all blacks mantra. Yes. New Zealand. It's not about making better footballers. It's about making better people. Yes. The result is you get better footballers and the sales, the results are inevitable as an outcome
1: of course. And Charlie, what are your measurement tools then? I know everybody's going to want to know what are these measurement tools? What, what questions are you asking? What um, How does it present within a business when you're measuring? And, and what is your feedback to the board then regarding where they started, where they're aiming to get the, to, and where in fact they do get to by the end of your training program?
2: Yeah, we're probably working off one or two measurement. measurement tools that I thought I could develop myself. And I spent three or four years trying to develop software, which I realized cut that out Look at the models that are out there or partner with somebody who has them. And I've come across two, one here in Ireland and one by an Irish guy who's in the UK. So I'll talk, I'll talk first about Shea McConnell in the UK. An even better place to work is his.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: Shea, again, is, is in the same sort of sphere of this. How can we make this a better place to work? Because by making somewhere a better place to work, that's the basis of sales you know, forcing sales or manipulating a sale is gone. It's, it's over. It's done. Mm-hmm. So how do we make a place a better place to work? You ask the people, what are your needs? What needs have you in this workplace?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When I think back to, to the pub in Blackheath or the pub in central London, subconsciously I was asking the staff, what are your needs? What do you need? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we let them know what the vision was. It's very important to create a vision. So the measurement tools are looking at their needs. Do they understand the vision of the company? Compelling vision. Yes. Not the one that's written up behind the CEO's door that was written by a generation before. Nobody has it. If there's not a vision, include them in the vision. Set out the values, the clear mm-hmm. values. Don't go overboard with them. And don't use the cliched ones like trust, respect, et cetera, et cetera.
1: I know, the nebulous words that really don't mean anything to anybody.
2: Yeah, uh, Use the ones that you're curious is a big one of You probably see it. Okay. I love it. I love am it. so, so curious. Yeah. I am so curious. I had an apprenticeship course this morning. There's a sales apprenticeship, which is the first in the world here in Ireland I've been involved in. It. So the first apprenticeship in sales is created here in Ireland. And I had a real raw Kerry lad on this morning, 18 years of age. Oh, my God. I could have kept, you know, and and there were 20 in the class, and I was asking him, how did you get involved in car sales? And he was telling the story. And you talk about the learning. Now, it was comical because it was a story. It was his story. It involved a bit of dodgy dealing in Tesco car parks, selling Lexuses, et cetera. But little did he know... That everything he was saying is embedded in academic research, mm-hmm. and and I sent I sent articles to him later, you know, yeah. and this you know he was he was telling a lot of my journey because my education was back to For I just done my masters in the last few years. I'm now writing a research proposal for a PhD, and you've got to be two things to do a PhD. You've got to be crazy or crazy about the thing that you're. You're studying, and I'm both. Yeah. So I get, I'll, I'll probably get on on the basis of that.
1: Oh, you sure will, Charlie. Yeah.
2: But curious and curious, curious about people, curious about how you can help. You know, responsible, empowering, adaptive, personable. Uh-huh. Needs to be fun. Let's cut yeah. a lot of this policies, procedures, blah 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 out of it. Cut out the term B 2 B or B 2 C. It's human to human. Sure. Let's be honest about it. You know, it's it's human to human. Yeah. And in many ways, what I'm excited about in the last 10, 11 months, COVID has been a reset. COVID has been a reset. Well, I'm it's,
1: delighted to hear you saying that. Yeah, what, what, I, in what capacity now? I
2: think it's been a reset globally. Now, it wasn't meant to happen. And listen, the deaths are traumatic. And, and I know people that are family members that, that have suffered greatly from it. It's not the COVID per se that's the reset. It's this period that. We've had to stop. Businesses have have, have come under pressure. But we need to look at another way of working, not just the simple remote working, working from home, but connecting. Let's connect again. Mm -hmm. Because IT is moving us at a pace that if you don't upskill in IT, you're going to be left behind in two years' time. The changes in the last 30 years are greater than the changes in the last 300 years.
1: For sure.
2: And it's even getting quicker. So digital disruption has been hugely helpful by and large. However, we must go back and look at human skills and human skills training because all of the reports, all of the reports and the future skills required have human skills increasing in their mm-hmm. need. So that, that's, that's why I love what I do. I don't know if it's answered the question of, of what we do, but yeah, we, we would rather when we talk about customer service we talk about internal customer service you we do. talk about company culture
1: and you talk charlie hugely about everybody everybody matters and the, having their own emotional needs met within the establishment should be needs to be extremely important so that the empowering leaders can be given their voice and that the and the company will be a better place and productivity will improve immediately when people feel that they're when when their self-efficacy can improve just on a daily basis by turning up to work. So culture is hugely important. And we could probably even pair, you know bring the horizon in closer and suggest that culture even within families, culture in communities, Absolutely. you know, and then culture in organizations, schools, universities, mm-hmm. and obviously corporations and, and businesses, as you say. So really, you, you're out ahead of the game, Charlie, and have been for so long, because you and I have chatted at length about this. And I'm just intrigued at your model. And as far as I'm concerned, it it's the gift that doesn't stop giving. Because when you get into a company, and even raise the issue of, have you measured your the performance around how people are feeling about what they're doing? It's new it's new and it's a new consciousness enough within itself to get people moving and shaking and moving towards greater productivity but from essence which is so important because if people aren't feeling safe and happy within the workplace they can't give their very best you know
2: yeah absolutely
1: question for you charlie around um the, so you have worked with so many companies and you've seen the productivity. So what, what examples can you give us of how you've turned things around by doing your training programs within?
2: Well, I suppose the, those companies, those companies that have allowed us in to measure everything, you know, let's look at this Warts and all. And some of these companies would be quite performing, you know, at, at that time. and And I know there's one, there's one that we can talk about because you know it's in it's in the public domain and we would have we've been given the credit for it. But something somewhere like in Ireland, the Cliffs of Moher Visitor Attraction Centre, which is of huge importance to the country, and you know I was asked to go down there to do customer service training, and I do done O'Kelly Kelly again in my year, just take take the customer service training, but never leave, never mind your culture, but till you get in there. But you know we we went in and we have done the customer service training. The first thing we done on the first day was we measured the standards of customer service from an outside point of view. And then we asked the staff how they felt the customer service was. So these kind of drive-by measurements are are of huge importance because if they said it was 65%, we could look back in a year's time and say, did that improve? What has it done to the, the bottom line? What's it done to the visitor numbers? What's it done to the spend per head? We also find there was cultural issues at play there as well. That made it work, Yeah. But you had the honesty of the team and the management allowing you to do that. And they said, okay, how do we change that? Well, this is how we change it. We asked the staff how they're feeling. Are their needs being met? We're asking the person who's been asked to come in at half eight in the morning for whatever reason that didn't make sense. Maybe ask, is 9.30 okay because you've got an autistic child that you have to get to school? And you're paying a child binder for half an hour before you put them to school and you've never told anybody. But nobody's ever asked you. Yeah. So the aggregation of those marginal gains, the aggregation of that staff member times 50, it doesn't mean you give all staff everything they want. And it's not about pool tables and the soft cushions either. You know, it's much deeper than that. Of course Where can we help you to be a better version of yourself in the workplace? Mm-hmm. What happened there, the results there... Visitor numbers trebled. Spend per head, which is the real measurement, went up. Satisfaction levels went up to the extent that it then became a problem because you can have too many visitors in a visitor attraction center, of course, as well. But it was a replication on a bigger scale of exactly what we were doing in the pub. And then yeah. I thought, that center's not works in a visitor attraction center. Then we go into an insurance company, which is the biggest insurance company in Ireland, And we replicate exactly the same thing, and then we see the results there. And they're saying, Why did this happen? We we haven't increased sales for 24 years. We're not focusing on the sales. The sales is an inevitable outcome either way, Sheila. Of course, yeah. If if you improve your culture, sales go up, you disimprove your culture, you do nothing about it, you're going to struggle with sales, and you're going to blame the government, you're going to blame the VAT rate, you're going to blame the potholes and Donegal or wherever wherever it may be. But if you go deeper. You'll have a look, and then you'll unearth things that maybe, apart from improving the people, that you'll find out that you, you didn't shine that spotlight on. So, culture to me, I mean, Drucker, Drucker said it. My American hero said it years ago. Culture eats strategy for breakfast, yeah, lunch it's, and dinner.
1: Absolutely. So
2: here we are, strategizing and coming out with policies and procedures, and and I'm I'm, I'm with that. I'm not against yeah. that. I'm with that. But why are we not focusing on culture today? I'm delighted in a way because once I start talking about it, people say, you know something, you're right. Can you come and have a look at ours?
1: You're so right. And Charlie, are you able, because we're fast approaching a time for a segment of refreshment. I'm just wondering, are you able, because I know when people hear this, and the world is a village now, more than ever before, are people going to be able to access your training courses and your input and your measurement tools and avail of this customer service training and the cultural reevaluation online. Are these training courses available now, you know, given present circumstances? And obviously, as you said, because the world is changing fast and furiously yeah. and we're going leaning more and more into digital.
2: Yeah, they, they are, I suppose. The online content, not at the scalable event that it's not me online, but a hundred percent of what I've been doing in the last six months has been online. But it's been online on Zoom or on Teams of or on Google Hangouts or whatever it may be. We haven't got to the stage where we've automated a system that can go out globally.
1: Just and yet. Th- Just Just yet.
2: Absolutely. Not just yet. yet. Charlie, hold that thought. Hold
1: that thought. Because we're going to come back in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere, guys. We're going to come back and we're going to find out how exactly we can avail of this Charlie Boyle expert training.
2: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You are listening to Hole in One with Sheila. To reach the program today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Outside of North America, reach us at 001-480-553-5760. Or send Sheila an email from the Voice America show page. Now back to Hole and One.
1: You're very welcome back, guys and gals. I'm here chatting with Charlie Boyle from Donegal, originally from New Jersey in America. And he's telling us his amazing upward trajectory in sales excellence, customer service, and everything about turning around the culture in your business. Charlie chatted with us before the break about the measurement tools that he uses when he works with businesses to improve the culture within how he checks to see that the basic emotional needs of the people that work within companies are being met, how he encourages people to use their own innate resources to speak up and represent themselves as best they can so that they can reach for their best position within the company. Charlie, very welcome back and very welcome back, everybody in our listenership. We're just chatting about the availability of these courses to the world at large now, because I know when people hear this, you know, the world is a village, as we've said, people are going to want to access this. So the model isn't exactly automated as yet, but you're you're waiting. And, and it's just a case of, I mean, you're in hot demand. You can hardly keep up with the um, the requirement of your service. So you're probably just at the ready. You're, you're just waiting for, for the opportunity to make it, you know, to go to the next level. Would I be right in saying that?
2: Yeah, and just before I forget, can I use the term segment of refreshment? That's not copyrighted anywhere. Not at just, all.
1: You take that. Do you I mean like that?
2: i will be very posh Donny Donegal now to start dropping that into the, the equation for, instead of a tea break. Uh, yeah, good question, Sheila. And yeah, we're, we're, we're on the road to doing that. I mean, everybody's aware of customer service or sales training is not compliance driven. And unfortunately, unless something is compliance driven, companies tend to Have a decision whether they do it or not. Now, health and safety is compliance-driven. You have to have an ISO standard for health and safety Mm -hmm. globally. So, very, very recently, we've been approached by designers of ISO, um, and this is only in recent months. and, And you know, fascinating people from another planet than I am, because their policies and procedures and their figures and their facts. And I'm a storyteller, and you know, we've we've had some interesting conversation. Let's say. We've had this meeting in the middle that would suggest that an ISO and company culture would make sense, would it Mm -hmm. not? So that's one area. I also would be wide open to a partner out there somewhere that can pull together software that automates this. However, however, if I'm talking about human-to-human connection, I don't want to lose the identity of it in something that I am not some way connected to or with. Yeah. Because to scale anything, yes, you must get it online and it must be working while you're sleeping. But I kind of need the compromise or the the marriage of both yeah. there, and that's an exciting part of the journey. Of I'm, course, I'm it gonna, is. I'm not going to rush into that. Yeah. You know, but there's there's going to be somebody out there. Is there's going to be either an investor that will say, I like what you're doing. You know, let's investigate it. There might be then a software get, and you know. That's the way work. That's the way it works. It's not business. It's three humans. Of course it is. Of course it is.
1: And the soulful aspect of um, the the seedlings of this, Charlie, are yours and yours alone. So nothing could ever succeed without you being pivotal to it. So how can people access? Because I know there's going to be such um, a rush of interest in this. So all of your details are available and you're contactable on LinkedIn anyway. And through LinkedIn, people can network with you there.
2: Yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn seems to be, you know, fantastic for guys, guys like us, Sheila, you know, and, and that's where the initial, that's where I would say 90% of the initial contacts that I get. And somebody's sending you an email and you know, I'm interested in what you're saying and you take a look at their their profile. They know you're taking a look at their profile, all of that kind of stuff. And, and then it sort of comes together organically. It's, of course. There's, there's not a structure to it. Uh, maybe there is a structure that I'm unaware of. And that's where it's happening now. So, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn or, you know, cseireland.ie, which is a, a, a being-built website for the third time, you know, to make us look um, really, really international, but, you know, we are. So you'll definitely you'll get in contact with me. Let's start with the conversation, whatever that conversation is. And if we can't help you, we'll get somebody who can because we're not always the people – to do what you need to do. If it's, if it's soft skills, frontline training in customer service or how to handle a telephone call only, we're probably not the company to come to. Mm-hmm. But if you're a large national telephone company, and I'm giving a clue as to the next piece of work we're starting off. If you're a national telephone company who has cultural issues and legacy issues and you want your end user to have a better experience and that involves telephone training, yeah, we're interested in talking. And yeah. you know, we're doing work we're doing work sort of like that. And and yeah, we're we're getting it we're getting it in both ways. We're getting the CEOs maybe making contact with us, but we're getting the frontline trainers and we'll take we'll take both. Yeah. Maybe the frontline trainer, when you talk to them, they'll say, It's not training we need. You're right. We need to go deeper. Mm-hmm. I need to have this conversation dangerously with my supervisor or my yeah. manager. Yeah. But if they think it's dangerous to have a conversation with their supervisor or manager about there
1: changing Therein lies the, the culture, problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's everywhere, Charlie, for sure. It's in schools, it's in colleges, it's everywhere. And as we said, look, even just having the conversation is enough to remind us that as a people in our homes, we need to check in with the culture. We need to check in with people's needs and resources, particularly now in these couple of years where people have helicoptered back in to their home place where they were formerly off living their own lives. The dynamic has changed. So manners are important and sharing a living space and harmony is important and watching out for each other and also looking after your own self-care is important, which is something I'd like to to chat with you about, Charlie, as well, to segue into that period of time in your life when you were working so hard, working it so hard. You had been through the various um, loops and and you, you had seen the trip hazards. But you then realized that you were living in survival, which is why you ended up having the heart condition. And you then had to turn around and repair from that. And you would have had to check the culture of your world at that point. So probably life-mocking art.
2: Well, why would I believe so much in the changing of businesses deep down, having come through what I've come through? The, The three biggest killers of males in Ireland and the UK is heart disease, depression, death by suicide and alcoholism. I've had all three of them. And I still suffer from all three of them. So what, how could I explain to a company without being totally and absolutely believing in it, mm-hmm. that ah, just stop drinking is gonna fix it? That's not, that's no. the equivalent of just training the frontline staff. So the last one, you know, the last two illnesses, I, I haven't picked up a drink a day at a time for 28 years. That takes three hours a week of work. Uh And anybody that knows about meetings will know where I'm I'm chatting about them. So I'm continuously working at that. With the heart, I've lost 60 pounds. I walk five days a week, something I hated doing. I hated walking. I hated walkers. I thought, how can you walk? What excitement can you get out of walking? I cannot wait for my walk tomorrow morning. I blog about it every day. I give an analogy. If it's a really windy day in West Donegal, of which there are many in the winter, I stick on a high-performance podcast, and I listen at the minute to Damien Hughes and and Jake Humphreys, and it lasts for 53 minutes, which is exactly what it takes me to walk the walk. Perfect. As they're finishing. I'm coming in the door, I go up to the shower, and the pounds are falling off. My blood pressure's never been better since 21. My cholesterol is down to where it was in my mid-20s. I still have a bit of weight to lose, but... It's up here, Sheila. Of course, it is. My best thinking comes, I believe, at 3K into the walk. So when I'm walking this morning and I was on with the apprentices today, I'm thinking of the questions I'm going to ask in the class. For sure. And I needed to get a note paper. I need to write
1: down. Yeah. Name. Yeah. Yeah. And I, do you I'm, know that forward movement, Charlie? So, forward movement, your eyes actually move laterally when you're moving forward. And as they do, so literally, so this would be so the EMDR concept of repairing people after trauma has now been proved to be very, very efficacious in therapy just as people are walking in their own space and working through their own daily troubles and traumas. So as you are literally physically moving forward, your eyes are moving laterally, your neural retina, I mean, you won't be conscious of your eyeballs bouncing around in your head, but your neural retina has a very big job to do and it downregulates the amygdala. So it quiets that anxiety level that you might have had. So the the self-talk and the inner critic that was bothering you in some way innocuously before you went for that walk, literally forward movement, is putting you into a state of self-therapy and self, self-calm. It's like meditation in motion. So it's so important yeah. at so many levels.
2: And, and I could pretend I know everything you said, but I don't. I, I just know something happens. There's a drug, and it's good drugs. It's not bad yeah. drugs. and I don't have to stand at the street corner and pay for them. Something happens in my brain, endorphins, dopamine. I'm probably using the wrong terms.
1: No, you're not. At, you're yeah. spot
2: on. Yeah. So something happens. I come home. And I cannot come back from a walk in bad humor. I cannot. I have never come back from a walk in bad humor. My depression has lifted. I know that's not everybody's story. I can only tell mine. Okay. Um, And I have to pass it back. I have to blog about it. And people say, oh, hear this guy again about walking 5K. But, you know, the amount of people this morning, for example, a guy in London, a, a dear friend of mine that I hadn't seen for 30 years, and I kind of encouraged him back into painting. He sent me this most beautiful painting of me out walking, and he thanked me for the inspiration of it. He put it up on social media, and I, I was impressed by it because I look twenty pounds lighter in the in the in the painting. First of all, <laughs> but you know how how worth is something like that? Can you put yeah. a value on that? You know, yeah. you got the young lad from Kerry who was on the class this morning. They pre- can you put a value on that? I'm not sure you can. You can't put a monetary value on it, but yeah. So why would I not, you know, having used that for the alcoholism, having used that for the depression, having used that for the, you know, back to the to the cardiologist a year after, and he says, right, that's you done. I don't need to see you again. There's, there's too many others with problems. You know, you you're 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 okay. And I'm not going to analyse. Um, how long does this these bypasses last? You know how, what a ruination oh, that would be. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a year. I don't know if it's ten years. I know people in their nineties that that have survived it. But it's make every day count. And that sort of promise to the HP to the to the higher power, Galway and Hospital. I know my why now. I figured yeah. out my why. I figured out why I'm here, and I need to get on with it.
1: And when you know your why, the how becomes easier, Charlie. Oh. So you, you talked about depression. I know people are really, I mean, you're, you're amazing. You tell a story so well. You are such a fabulous storyteller. And your your product and your brand changing the culture within is really just monetizing something that everybody really needs to know about themselves. Because as Confucius said, it does, that type, type of change has to begin within self and then feed into couple, feed into family, feed into wider family, community, network, workplace, et cetera. And that's exactly what you're trailblazing. So for the people who are listening into this and who are really hoping to take a piggyback on this fabulous information, let's give them a little bit more regarding that self-healing. So reaching into your neuropharmacology for the wellness, you made a lovely um, reference there to I'm not standing on a street corner to take drugs. So I have in my head, for example, statins, you mentioned cholesterol, you said my cholesterol is down um, because I'm out walking. That's proven fact. So, can you could you possibly lean into suggesting that if people are taking statins and taking other medications, as long as obviously they're in touch with their doctors about this, that it's another way, there are many ways to wash the wear. So, checking out the wellness aspect, the self-care aspect of improving these chronic conditions before people think that they need to walk when they rattle on the tabs Is it, has it been that life changing for you? So walking and um, engaging in your meditation and even your blogging, all of that, sharing charismatically.
2: Yeah, again, Sheila, you know, the credit goes to other people. I didn't do this by choice. I'd done it by opening my mouth. I was afraid to go to the doctor because I thought the culture in Ireland or where we were. I'm going to go to the doctor and he's going to give me antidepressants. I don't want antidepressants because I'm an addictive person. I have an addiction to alcohol. I'll become dependent on them. I'll put on weight. I went to the doctor eventually with, um, with Tony, my wife, handcuffed to make sure that I would go to the doctor because, you know, I promised before and I didn't. So I said to him, I'm depressed, but I don't want tablets. And he looked at me and he said, Said anything about tablets, so he kind of done the measurement. He'd done the measurement of me, he asked me a series of questions. He's doing a cultural check.
1: Wow, I love it! Yes,
2: there's a fantastic doctor, by the way fantastic doctor and fantastic surgery. So he'd done the measurement of okay, what about this? What about that? Okay, yeah, I'll put you to four or five, maybe a six on a scale of one would be suicidal thoughts and action. Mm-hmm. And he says. No, you don't need medication. You don't need medication. But you need to talk to somebody. And he says we have somebody upstairs. And I was surprised like in the doctor's surgery there was a counselor upstairs that came every Wednesday. And I went there for six seven Wednesdays and I found out that there was a block in my life. There was a block. And there was a bit of dust in the computer as well and sometimes the dust causes more problems than yeah. the block. The block can be very obvious. But the dust in the hard drive is the one that was causing me the problem. Mm-hmm. We got the block moved, okay, we need to stop doing that. The dust were things like low self-esteem, giving credit to others, and therefore pushing money away. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't have finance because I was pushing money away. Sheila, you take the money, right? Johnny, you take the money. But there was something deeper to that as well. So to answer your question, find out the real problem. Find out the real problem. There's a bit of pain in this as well, but it's worth it. Find out the real problem. And once the blocks are removed, you start working at them, then it becomes nearly a parallel thing of, okay, let's maybe do some exercise. And during the exercise, you find out the way to clear that block even more or to get better. Or you start talking to people. You start this community of you know this community of information and people yeah. sharing things honestly, rather than how are you do. And oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you rush into the car so he doesn't ask you the second time. You know, let's get the, let's get to the issue here, and then because life's short, life's short. But it was a combination of getting those other scares and knowing that life is short. You could have gone two or three of your cousins went. My brother died, you know, within six weeks of of being told he had cancer to death. You know, seeing this, my the guy who was best man at my wedding. Uh, in his 40s, you know, life experiences, putting them all together and then going, need to do this different, you know. And and there's a a great reading there, I think I told you about it over Christmas, Deep Thought Thinking. Yes. You know, so this thing of, you know, okay, having goals, I have goals, yeah, I've got goals, but I've also goals to go deep rather than big. Yeah. Think big is dangerous to the wrong person because it could set them up for failure. Maybe think deep is a better way to put it. Um, but I'm 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 still picking up and I'm I'm fascinated about doing research on this, Sheila, and the narrative. You pointed mm-hmm. out I'm, an, I'm I'm a storyteller. So what scared me about maybe looking into the PhD, and it's it's not the PhD to get the letters, I just love the research into this. I want to know how are you doing what you're doing and why are you doing it. Sure. So I want to be able to tell the story. I don't I don't need the facts and the figures, although don't tell that to the, to the research guys that are measuring my paper because they want to see the figures. Yes, I want to do like 20% figures and then 80% of the story. This is a story of a company that. Yeah. So I can inspire other companies to, to do the same. And, you know, it's I, I don't have an exclusive right to this. I did not invent company culture. Believe me, it's been around for hundreds of years and, and maybe even further back than that. But there's so much work in this space. There's work for all of us, all of us, including every individual. And you make the very, very valid point. What is an organization? It's just a collection of people. Mm-hmm. So if, the peop- if the people become better versions of themselves and we can help them, what happens to the organization? Come on, it's inevitable.
1: Of course it is, it improves. And then those people go home happier to improve life within their home places as well. And that all of that is part of the oneness that we are connected to. So that sense of less separation, less polarity, and that alone helps us to access our wholeness. And really, I suppose, well, everybody has their own faith practice and and the world is a changing place, but really, our journey is all about, has to be all about feeling whole, feeling safe within self and um, enjoying a sense of self-love that is so whole and self-satisfying that anything else is a bonus, that you are then able to love another. You can't love another or even take love from another if you can't love yourself. And it, it's tough. And that's probably... You know, the sub operating system that was holding you back and keeping you um, throwing off those stress hormones, Charlie, at that time, which in, in a very inadvertent way over a period of time, just put your heart under so much pressure that it gave, you know, animals can be a zebra can be chased by a line. And by the time it outruns the line, it's chewing grass again. 15 minutes later, it's over. We are all all organisms are able to survive stress for short periods. But when you live, nowadays, it's not the saber-toothed tiger. It's your boss. It's your wife. It's your children. It's a second mortgage. It's, you know, the four-minute mile that you can't manage, whatever. And we can't live in survival for those lengthy periods of time without dis-ease befalling us. And then it's in that space that we get the chance to respond differently to our environment. And that's when then fabulous ideas like yours are seeded for business as well, because you realize, well, this wholeness that I need for self has to be had in the greater establishments, in the greater spaces and places that I move and shake in so that the world is a better place. So that's the fabulous. I think that's the origin of the fabulous product that you have. And that's why it's so uniquely yours and and, and only you can carry it across the line. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, Charlie, we could talk forever and we've had so many fabulous chats in the lead up to this and we'll be working together in the future. So all of that is yet to be revealed. So it's an amazing um, connection and amazing space to be sharing with you. I wonder, um, have you had a little think about whole in one and what whole in one means to you?
2: Yeah, I I definitely had, you know, and and you've, you've used terms in the past, like this thing of love, wisdom and truth. And if I heard that five years ago, I would be saying, I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm not going on a program with that lady. There's no, no chance now. But I get, I get them now, and maybe I get them in a different sort of way. And if I can link it into the business and the business, uh, the business world, some of the nicest, most decent, the most humble people I know are business owners. And some, it can be a very lonely place. There's a perception of a CEO that is not reflective of the CEOs that I've come across. I, I don't know if you can, you can uh, relate to what I'm saying there, but there is a certain perception of maybe the CEO is this arrogant sort of egotistical, white, male, European, uh, command and control type character. Not anymore. Not anymore. So I love what they do. I love the people that are working for them. I've got this wisdom that was given to me, not by the design, but you know, probably God given. I'm not religious and be spiritual, but I don't go down on the knees and get the rosary bead type stuff. Uh, maybe I should do more of that. I don't know. And truth, be honest, be honest. Let's be honest about the problem here. Mm-hmm. And you know, the truth will set us free if we if we look at the real problem, we have a chance to. And you know something? See, when you ask people for help, you put up your hand and say, "I need help with this." You better have a big house.
1: Oh, people are amazing. You Better yeah. have a
2: big house or a big office because people are going to roll up and help you. People, so that are thing amazing. of wisdom, you know, love, wisdom, truth—that you talk about—that whole in one, it, it's all in one. It's it's all together. It 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 is all together, and that's that's my sort of my crude interpretation of it at this stage, is. Let's cut out a lot of the policies, procedures, all of that stuff. Have it in place to give it structure, but allow honesty in there and allow the wisdom and allow allow the love. It could be the love of what we do. Sure. It could be that genuine love for other people and that you, you just want to see people um, thrive.
1: And feeling wow. the love in the room wherever you are. So if you love yourself and you're, you know, you're in a safe attachment space and place in your life, then, you know, you should be able to turn up to your work and be excited about your the contribution that you're going to make and be excited about the people that you're going to work with. You shouldn't be fearful or, you know, excluded or outside a ring of fire and fearing the fact that people, certain individuals will bully their way to the top and, and get there. So yeah. you have to bust that up. You've got to disrupt it, as you say.
2: And and and, you know that that's been able to help the bully as well because they have to be taken on the train as well. They have to cut. It's not a case of throwing them off. And you make you make a very valid point there. And to me, a company that doesn't have a clear and compelling vision is in bother. It's in bother for many reasons. A clear and compelling vision allows us to get out of bed this morning. The young lad this morning from Kerry, the Apprentice. I says, "What's the first thing you do when you get out of bed in the morning?" I check the dealer. The dealer in Ireland is a magazine where all the yeah. car enthusiasts And I thought, that's brilliant. He has a vision. Yes. He's got a goal. Yeah. He gets him out of bed. Gets him, you know, a clear and compelling vision for the company, setting the values in place, and then the behaviors. How do we behave? And then holding each other to account. That's not what you said you would do. The inevitable outcome, guys, is sales. That's been my experience. I can only share my experience. I can't mm-hmm. tell you a story of others. I could, I could tell it to you, but it doesn't have the same depth of belief yeah. that what I've seen, it's, it's that, and that the depression can sometimes be caused by the fact is I've lost my way. What's my way? My way is my vision.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, depression is, of course, as well, it's a worry cycle. And, you know, y- you you can, you really and truly can arrest it at any point. Like when you do what you're talking about, when you engage your growth mindset and you decide that you're going to enjoy the getting there as much as the goal, achieving the goal at the end. So when you can, it, it's neuroplasticity, you can actually change the shape of your brain and therefore change the outcomes for your own life just by leaning into growth mindset. It's available to all of us. We throw off dopamine when we're heading towards something, when we know we're going in the right direction. That alone is amazing. Just to remind people, you have a store of neuropharmacology up there. Use it to your advantage. Open that medicine cabinet in your head. And the more dopamine you throw off, the more of the other fantastic chemicals you throw off as well. So the wisdom As well Charlie that I'm hearing from you and that I've heard since we've chatted from day one and um, it's just I just kind of it's amazing the oneness for me is is in the fact that people like you and I can connect and it's as if we knew each other all our lives and the wisdom then is in the memories or the sub-operating systems so those habits that we were living out of before excuse me being able to um Remember those things to learn from them, but to turn down, down regulate the emotional arousal. So a memory without the emotional arousal has to be wasted. So when you've experienced something, emotions are the end result of experience. And when you've experienced something that has, you know, your mind has taken a snapshot of, and it could easily trip you up again in the future because you remember how you felt, it's just as easy when you learn what you're talking about to Downregulate regulate the emotional arousal and learn from it so that it is your wisdom for going yeah. forward, so you're remembering your future.
2: And it 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 sort of says it in the serenity prayer, you know, to accept the things we cannot change. There's a lot of things that I cannot change. I, I tend not to get involved in politics, thankfully. And I can't go you know, I can watch so much of it and then I need to zone back out because I, I have to accept I cannot change those things. But I, I have to also know, I have to, gain I get the courage to change the things I can and the last bit of course of it is the wisdom the wisdom to know the difference between both mm-hmm. and that's where I kind of live my life it's it's that balance between what can I change what do I need to accept and where does the wisdom come on you still get it you still get it wrong and that's the beauty of living that's called loving, you know and that's that's sort of where it's at but it's look at it it's 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 more than work. It's, it's not work, is it's, it, really?
1: No. For some people, work is a four-letter word, unfortunately. But when you follow um, the philosophy that you're initiating and you become a master of that, Charlie, life really does become worth living.
0: Thank you again for joining us for Hole in One. Please join your host, Sheila E. Hirine, for another edition of this amazing program next Wednesday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, remember no matter the question, love is the answer. You've got this.